If you're going to sing a song, sing a country song. pushes back the darkness and I want to say that perhaps just maybe for those of you who maybe aren't from here maybe you haven't come from Ireland you've moved to this country maybe God has sent you here for this one simple purpose to push back the darkness in this place amen. can I get an amen? amen you think God's purposes might go that far in your lives we're gonna look at pushing back the darkness I want to look at the whole theme of light and darkness I want to look at the metaphor and the motif of pushing back the darkness in our lives and in our world. But I want to begin first by praying. Will you stand with me and pray with me please? I would really appreciate it. Will you raise your hands to heaven if you're able? I can only raise one at the moment. You could just turn down the mic just a little bit if you would, Bevic. Thank you, brother. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, that you have put a call in everybody's life here. Thank you, Lord, that you have a purpose and a plan for every life here. Lord, I thank you that you love every single person who's standing here in this hall now, and you have good intended towards them. Lord, as we open your word today, may it be light to us. May our minds be enlightened, enbrightened, opened up, illuminated, Lord, as we look at your word today. Use Michael, your, your weak and failing servant, Lord, I pray. Use me as a mouthpiece this morning, as you will, for your purposes and your plans, but above all, and speak to us in Jesus' name. And God's people say, Praise God. Praise God. When you look at your Bible, there is what I refer to as the biblical binary that it works all the way through it. If you want to know what binary means, it means meaning of two things are subsisting, are made up of two things. If you look at there's a biblical binary that's worked all the way through the Bible. So we see that we have light and darkness. We'll be looking at that. You have good and evil. You have life or death. You have male and you have female. You have land and you have sea. 
You have sin and you have righteousness. You have heaven, you have hell. You have sheep and goats. You see it all the way through the Bible. This binary arrangement goes on all the way through. And it is there to remind us above all else that God is separate and that he is other. God is not the same as us. He is other. He is separate. We've sung it so much this morning. He is holy. He is apart from us. But he wants to be part of our lives. Hallelujah. And he has sent his life, his light into our world so that we may have life through it. Let me take off this badge because it's knocking against the microphone. Moving around too much. I want to look this morning at the scriptures, but I want to show you, if you will, the framing of the Old Testament and the framing of the New Testament using the metaphor of light and darkness. If, you, if you've been a Christian a while, you've seen this before and you know how this works. But I'm going to look first at Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 opens like this. It says this. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was empty and had no form. Darkness covered the ocean. And God's spirit was moving over the water. What a beautiful picture. Even in the darkness, God's spirit was on the move. Even when we're in the darkness, sometimes God's spirit's on the move, hovering over us. It goes on to say this, Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. So he divided the light from the darkness. God named the light day, and he named the darkness night. Evening passed and morning came. And this was the first day. The opening five verses of the book of Genesis, the opening five verses of the Bible telling the story of the creation, speaking about how there was darkness, and into that darkness God spoke his light. And to some of us, so, so many of us here today, we were in darkness and God spoke his light to us. Hallelujah. Amen. It, that is, if you will, the Old Testament framing of this binary image of light and darkness. But then we get into the New Testament and read John's Gospel, and John rephrases these very same passages in a slightly different way and he brings in the good news about Jesus here's the first few verses of John's gospel John chapter 1 in the beginning was the word referring to Jesus the word was with God and the word was God he was with God in the beginning all things were made by him and nothing was made without him he was there at the beginning. His word is the thing that brought everything into life. And then he goes on to say this. In him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overpowered it. Hallelujah. No matter what you face today, whatever darkness you face, darkness of despair or depression, or difficulty, or trial, or trouble, or unsolvable problems, let me tell you this. If you know Jesus, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome you. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen. And those who walk with the Lord. And so we can close now in prayer, because we all know that light is good, and we're all happy in the light, and we all went home singing about the light. Hallelujah. Amen. Not quite. Because Jesus had some interesting things to say about light. And he had some interesting things to say about people and light. He said that people generally hid from the light. They didn't like the light. They didn't want to be around the light. Some people did, but the majority didn't. Here's what Jesus said. So if you read John's Gospel, chapter 3, you know the famous passage. John chapter 3, verse 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Hallelujah. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. 
But then Jesus said something interesting in verse 19. He said, God's light came into the world, but people loved darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. And that would be lived out all the way through the gospel stories, where Jesus comes as the light, but the people that he came to, his own, it says earlier in John's Gospel, chapter 1, he came to his own, but his own didn't accept him. They rejected him because their attitudes and their actions were evil. They didn't want to know the light. I don't know about you, but I've been surprised when people hear the good news about Jesus and they want nothing to do with it. It doesn't feel like light to them at all. In fact, it doesn't feel like light. It feels like death to them. It feels like, what? I have to give up all of my life and follow Jesus? Are you crazy? I have to give up all the nice things that I do in the darkness so that I can follow Jesus. Are you nuts? Paul says, he says later in the New Testament, he says, for those who believe, we Christians, we are the aroma of life. But for those who don't believe, we're the stench of death. They don't want to know. They don't want to know because they love darkness. And that's the thing about darkness. We want to keep sometimes things that we do nice and quiet, and nice and hidden. Here's what Jesus went on to say. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear that their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so that others can see that they are doing what God wants. You see, for some of us here today, it's, it's been the case for me in my life. Thankfully, it's, it's not so much a battle now. But there's been things in my life which I did not want out in the light. I didn't want to tell people the things that I was struggling with. I didn't want them out there to be exposed. And I'm not talking about big things here. I'm talking about the small things. But there's many people, you today, feel like you're alone in the darkness. You're alone in the darkness because there's things in your life that you're not happy about. There's things that you're doing that you're not happy about. There's habits, behaviors, attitudes in your life that you're not happy about. Well, you know the Bible says this, wait for it. It says, confess your sins one to another. So Tom will be hearing confessions after church and God. <laughs> confess your sins one to another. Why does it say that? It says it because when we confess our sins, when we admit something, some weakness, some fault, some behavior, some sin, call it what it is, in our lives, to another Christian, not just to the fellow on the street. I mean, don't go into spar after and say, I'll be honest with you, I'm really struggling with the drink. And they say the alcohol section's over there. <laughs> But to a Christian, someone you can trust, Tom referenced it a while ago, a brother, close boy, someone who's near, someone who's near to you. When you confess that, you bring it into the light. And as the old saying says, sunlight is the best disinfectant. It's the way that we actually get clean and clear of things. And amazingly, when we bring it into the light, sometimes it doesn't seem as bad as we thought it was going to be. And you see, Irish people, especially from an Irish Catholic background, we don't do this confession thing very good, do we? Like you can imagine somebody from Germany or somebody from France or somebody from South Africa who wants to confess a sin. I'm addicted to alcohol. I need forgiveness. Hallelujah. No Irish person does that. We go in and we go into the confessional and we knock on the, the window and the priest opens the door and says, Bless me, Father, for I have a problem with your sin. What's that? I have a bit of a problem with drinking. I'm sorry, I can't hear I have a problem with drink. I don't want everyone to know. The Irish whisper. The 
The Irish whisper their sins. Something you should know about the culture here. That's the way that we do our business. We whisper our sins. In some other cultures, more often Protestant cultures, people shout their sins from the rooftop. I saw the light! Hallelujah! But down here in the south, it's like, Lord, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Something to remember. But when we bring our sins to someone that we trust, not some stranger, we bring it into the light, and in the light there can be life, and there can be forgiveness. You see, people are afraid that their, sin, that their sins will be exposed, that their evil deeds will be exposed. That's what it says. But you know, Romans chapter 10, verse 11 says this, that anyone who trusts in Jesus will never be put to shame. Amen. Never be put to shame. They may suffer shame, those who don't know him, but they will never be put to shame, those who know Jesus. Let me move on. Jesus said something else interesting about the light. This is what he said. He said, the eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If the way you see the world is right and is guided and is illuminated by God's word, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? If the way that you see the world, if the way that you view yourself, or you view others, or you view God, is dark, how great is that darkness? You see, we live in an age when people have their own truth. Like, I live by my own truth. I live by my own inner lights. I read, I've been reading about this recently. I just came across a book this week. I met, and the title of it is, I don't know my head, but I think it's, it's called Create, something similar to Creating Your Own Spirituality, which is really handy. You can just make up your own spirituality. And in it, it was a guide. I wasn't reading this book for myself, no, for the record. Okay. In it, it says, this is a guide for you to create your own independent spirituality. To make a spirituality that is U-shaped. Shaped just like you, yeah. So you can have your own true spirituality and you can make up your own, um, you can make up your own rituals and even make up your own creed. What a wonderful faith that is. What a load of nonsense. You see, because the culture we live in tells you to be your authentic self. Be true to yourself. Be true to you. Live by your own truth. Well, I gotta tell you something. If you want to be your authentic self, and just be totally authentic all the time, or if you want to live your own truth, you will be exhausted and anxious all the time. Do you know why? Because we know in our hearts and souls that unless somebody else validates our truth, it isn't truth. Yeah. And so we continually have to prove ourselves as being true to ourselves. This is the true me coming out. Whereas if you accept God's word, which is... Some parts of it are 6,000 years old. The New Testament is 2,000 years old. If you trust what God's word says, you will have another one of those binaries at work in your life, and that is you will have freedom and you won't have slavery. Are you with me? Yeah. By simply accepting what God's word says about you. Jesus never said, you do you. Isn't that, is that like, I even saw a banking ad. You do you. We'll do the banking bit. I bet you you will. But you do you. Jesus never said, you do you. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, you do me. Amen. Do me. Amen. Model me. Model my way of living. And the way the culture has changed so much now, and everybody's inner truth is the reality, so that what I feel about the truth is actually the truth, that's going to make people deeply, deeply unhappy and deeply, deeply sad. The world has been turned upside down. I quoted the English theologian Theo Hobson a few weeks ago when he said, what was once universally condemned is now universally celebrated. What was once universally celebrated is now universally condemned. And those who refuse to celebrate are themselves condemned. 
The prophet Isaiah was way ahead of the game in that one. He said, woe to those who say that evil is good and good is evil. That dark is light and light is dark. That bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. It says, woe to those who turn God's truth on its head. Do you see the binaries again? Good and evil, light and dark, bitter and sweet. Again, there it is, the, the binary making its way through. God's way of constructing makes its way through. And this is, he's saying, warning, that we can't see this world this way. He's warning. Anyway, how do we walk in the light? Let's, let's, let's get to the punchline. So you understand the problem that you face. So when you go into, when you go into work, when you go out on the street, maybe when you go home with the people that you live, with or live around with your neighbors they're no being absolutely immersed in the idea that everyone has their own truth and everyone can live their authentic selves and the true you is the true you that you feel you are everyone is living in that that's the culture that you're in be ready to know what God's truth is be ready to know what God says about how we are and how we should live here's what John writes the same John who wrote the gospel he wrote a number of letters to the early Christian church and at this time and this stage in the story something interesting is happening in the church which I'll explain having read the scripture here's what he says in first John he says this message we have heard from him talking about Jesus and we declare to you God is light in him there is no darkness at all if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and we don't live out the truth. Now, when he said God is light in him is no darkness at all, most of us kind of go, yeah, we, we, we all know that. What's, what's new there? You see, these early Christians, they didn't actually quite get the full implication of what that meant. So the early Christian church is a developing church and there's new ideas coming into it and new ideas being kicked over on a regular basis. But at this stage, a new heresy has come into the church and it's actually related to Greek philosophy. And the heresy said this. It said, your body is evil. The material world is evil and it is bad. Which is contrary to what God's word says, by the way. God says your body is good for God created your body. Could I get an amen? amen. Your body is not a bad thing. It is a good thing. But these guys began to teach this idea that, well, you know, the body is not great. It's actually quite evil. So therefore, what, we, we need to treat the body badly. So two, two errors arose from this. The first error was the error known as asceticism. So some Christians, believing this new heresy, began to treat their bodies really badly. They starved themselves. They beat themselves. Literally, they flagellated themselves with whips. They cut themselves. They went without. They didn't dress properly. They didn't look after. They didn't wash. Imagine going to a church where three people didn't wash. And they, they didn't wash in these churches. And simply because they thought that the material body was bad, so therefore you paid no attention to it. Only your spirit is good. And so that's how they expressed it. But there was another version of the heresy, and people responded to it, what's known as antinomianism. That's a long word, you can write that down. Look it up in the internet afterwards. Antinomianism was the, the error they believed. And this was the handy error, because it said, your body is evil, it's material, your spirit is pure, so therefore it doesn't matter what you do with your body, baby. Everything is A-okay, because your spirit is good. Ah, hallelujah. What a wonderful belief. So you can do all the drugs and sex and rock and roll you want with your body. It doesn't matter because your spirit is good, baby. Honey, I didn't mean to cheat on you like that, but it was my body that did it. I mean, you know how evil my body is. Everything is okay. Now, I just take a wild guess which one of these two heresies took on more. Which one was the more popular? The one that said, no, you should beat your body, or the one that said, you should just indulge all your bodily senses. That was the one that caught on. And that is why he's writing. God is light. 
in him is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness. And what he meant by walking in darkness was living in the deeds of the darkness. Living, just obeying our sinful desires. Obeying the rules of the world. Obeying the devil's temptations. Just walking in darkness. Then we don't have anything to do with God. But then he goes on to say this. However, he says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Hallelujah. If you're carrying a burden today, if you're carrying a burden of wrongdoing or wrong thinking or sin, call it what it is, take it to Jesus today. His cleansing power, his cleansing blood is there ready for us all. Can I get an amen? Amen. How do we walk in light? What's this light you're talking about? Such, such a lovely notion. Well, I, you know, I walk in the light. I turn on the light in my bedroom and I walk around it. I'm walking in the light. I feel so light when I walk in the light. It's wonderful. What's the light he's talking about? The light of the knowledge of God and the knowledge of the way God wants us to live. Where would we possibly find that light? Well, let me give you a hint. There is a thing called the Bible, right? And in the Bible, God's revealed will is there. Everything we need to know about how we should live, where we are and where we're going is revealed in that Bible. If we know the Bible, we are more likely to walk in light. It's that simple. If we know the way that God wants us to live, we are more likely to walk in light. Here's what the psalmist said in Psalm 119 verse 105. He said, your word, referring to the Bible, is a lamp to my feet. So it shows me where I am, but it's also a light to my path. It shows me where I'm going. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of people, they know where they are, but they don't know where they're going. Or a lot of people have this, hey, I've got a plan, I've got a purpose, I'm my own hero, I know where I'm going. Yeah, but they don't even know where they are. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I often say about the Bible that when you read the Bible, the Bible reads you. You know, you're reading the Bible and you come across this passage and it just speaks to you. Sometimes it speaks something wonderful. It's a promise of God. Hallelujah. I love those. But sometimes it's a reprimand from God that says, don't be behaving like that, you muppet. That's my translation from the original Greek. By the way. You know, some, sometimes, you know, when we read God's word, James says that God's word is like a mirror. We pick it up. And we look at ourselves in God's word. That's what it's like to walk in the light of God and to take. And he said, we shouldn't just be hearers of the word only, but we should be doers of it. We should see what it says and then act upon it. Can I get an amen to that? Because it's not just all about sentimentality and feeling. It's all about actually walking it out. Here's what Jesus said. He said, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a, a bas- lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, the lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out to all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Hallelujah. Amen. That's great news, Pastor Michael. I'm glad. Let me tell you this. You are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, You are a city that cannot be hidden. Your actions are there and visible. Your attitudes and your actions are there visible for everyone to see. That that way you are a city on a hill. The minute you tell someone you're a Christian, guess what happens? They start watching who you live. That's why so many people say, I'm not telling anyone I'm a Christian. (laughs) The minute you tell people you're a Christian, they start watching the way that you live. And they watch how you behave and how you treat people. And you know people who really don't care about the gospel, they see you doing something wrong and go, and you call yourself a Christian and you're doing that. Well, you think you are. You call yourself a Christian, I saw you come out of the pub. I saw you, you call yourself a Christian, I saw you come out of a cafe. Christians can drink coffee. Oh yeah, I forgot that. Anyway. (laughs) 
But you know, but to some people, you're, you're, they see you, your life is all that they will read. They're not going home to read their Bibles, they're reading your life though. You're an ambassador. That's what it actually says. That's what it says. So like, so wherever, whatever situation you're in, imagine your neighbor turns up the music too loud, right? And you've prayed for him, because I know you all pray for your neighbors first. And then you tempted to phone the guards, but you didn't phone the guards. You said, no, I'm going to go and speak to my neighbor. But then you bang his door down. Shut the music up, you filth and foul and filth, foul, filth and music. Do you think he's going to go, oh, I must come to Jesus? He's going to notice how you live. I, I love the way, you know, sometimes I, I would be in a conversation. I don't think anybody here has ever had this experience, I'd say. Yeah. I've had this experience where, because I'm kind of a, a bit of a chatty man, I kind of like to engage and connect and talk to people, right? So I would end up having a conversation with someone and say, so, you know, where, you know what do you do for a living yourself? Or, you know, what, what do you do? Or, you know, say, oh, yeah, well, I'm an architect or I'm an artist or whatever. I'm a, you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm a horticulturalist. Take your pick. And then, you know, obviously, because, you know, people know the polite thing to do is when somebody asks you, where you what you do for a living, it's time for them to say, and what about you? What do you do? And they say, I'm actually a pastor in a local church. Silence. <laughs> Sometimes it's like saying, I'm actually a paedophile. Silence. <laughs> because the reaction to it can be so off-putting. I mean, I've had it so many times. I'm having normal conversations, and then I tell someone, yeah, I'm a Christian, I follow Jesus, I love God's word. I, I, I rarely would say I love God's word in effect to a first-time person, but I would definitely say to someone, I attend a church where other people who know Jesus, you know, we believe that he's the light of the world. Silence. Nothing coming back. It's like, hello, hello, hello. Nothing coming back. And that's the reality. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says to those that are being saved, we are the fragrance of life. But to those who are unsaved and don't want to know God, we are the stench of death. To become a Christian means to give up too much. <laughs> if only you knew what you're carrying. It means to give up too much. No matter what you're carrying, lay it down to Jesus today. Amen. Can I get an amen? No matter what you're carrying. And so Jesus says, we work this out. So how do we work it out? How do we push back the darkness? We push back the darkness. In Romans chapter 12, Paul writes... Uh, to the Christian church. He's been writing all of this fantastic book and like it's really good up to chapter 12. And then he gets to chapter 12, he says, and so lads, loosely translated from the Greek, and so lads, this is how we're going to live going forward. This is how we're going to live in the future. So up to now it's lovely, oh, the promises of God, and oh, it's amazing. And he says, okay, so now this is how we cash all that God has done in your life. So we pray, we push back the darkness, Effectively in three ways. By our praise. Can I get an amen? amen? We sing our praise to God. And in a strange way, we are changed as we worship him. We become more like him as we look to him. By our prayers. Paul says we don't, we, we don't wage war against flesh and blood. But against principalities and powers in the heavenly places. The, the, the guy who cut you off in traffic. He's not your enemy. Your neighbor next door who won't turn down the music. That's like a prophetic word or something. Neighbor next door who won't turn down the music. He's not your enemy the person who jumped the line ahead of you in tesco he's not your enemy your the devil is your enemy that's who you should be fighting not picking fights with flesh and blood they have nothing to do with it your real enemy is the is in the heavenlies are you with me so paul continues on he says we fight the enemy and i'm going to break it down into three things we fight the enemy or we push back the darkness first with our actions here paul writes i urge you Brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to do you live out your authentic self and live by your own truth. Amen. I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to do what? To offer your bodies as a living 
Sacrifice. What does he mean by that? Don't be abusing your body. Don't be using your body, literally as he says, as an instrument of sin. But offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, because this is your true and proper worship. Amen. 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 Three people think that that's really good news. That's great. Thanks for sharing that, Michael. I'm sure now the chicken is burning even as we speak. You'll have to wait two more minutes for your chicken, all right? Hang on, two more minutes for chicken. He says, this is, he says, it's by your actions you begin to push back the darkness. And then it's, he goes a little bit deeper because he says, it's kind of in your interactions. That's where the rubber hits the road. How we deal with people, that's where the rubber hits the road. Jesus says, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, that's so easy. Hallelujah. Interactions here, he says, bless those who persecute you. <laughs> it's so easy, isn't it? When somebody hates you for being a Christian, it's so easy to go, yes, Lord, bless them. Fill their barns to overflowing, Lord. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position and don't be conceited. Amen. Don't fancy yourself too much. You're not as big a man or big a woman as you think you are. You're not as important as you think you are. And I love what it says. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Remarkably, the latter of these two is a lot easier. It's much easier to mourn with those who are mourning because they're in the valley of sadness and they're in the struggle and they have had the really bad experience, but you haven't had that bad experience. And so therefore you have to be empathic to go, I don't know what it feels like, but I'm, I'm standing alongside you to mourn. Strange enough, I think that's easier. It's actually harder to rejoice with those who rejoice. Don't you think? Isn't it harder, harder to rejoice with those who rejoice when you've always wanted to buy a lovely home in Ballygarvan or Ballincolleg or Ballydehob and then you hear that Shawnee, who isn't even a Christian, goes off and he manages to buy a house in Blarney, Ballincolleg and Ballydehob simultaneously? It's hard to go, oh praise the Lord, I'm delighted for Shawnee. Isn't it? Oh, when you get, you get yourself a new car, say, oh, look at this, look at my amazing new car, whatever. I got a Hyundai, what, give me a Hyundai name, Hyundai. Uh, Lamborghini. Yeah, 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 Hyundai Lamborghini, come on. You get yourself a Ford Fiesta or something, you go, hey, look at my cool Ford Fiesta. And then your neighbor arrives in, in his Ford Ranger pickup truck, a massive thing. You go, praise the Lord, I'm delighted for you. <laughs> You hear your neighbor, you really are tired, you're exhausted, and you hear your friend in church. He says, what's happened to you? Yeah, me and the wife were heading off to Thailand for a month. You go, wow, on holiday. Yeah, that's great. Is there, is there a pool at that complex? Yeah, of course there's a pool at the complex. Why do you ask? Well, I, would, I would like you to drone. <laughs> that would be terrible. Awful, in fact. It's hard to rejoice with those who rejoice. It's a test of a heart. I know. I know because there was a time when I couldn't have kids, believe it or not, it's hard to believe, you know, such a virile guy. But there was a time when I couldn't have kids, right? There was a time when I couldn't have kids. And people all around me were becoming pregnant, like they were dropping hats and people were getting pregnant. It's like this woman walked in the church and said, oh, I've just become pregnant. It was like immaculate conceptions and we couldn't do it. It was really hard to rejoice with those who were getting what we were being denied. Yeah? Yeah? Confession is good for the soul. I know you'll think less of me, that's okay. You'll think less of yourself as well, don't worry. Um, don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. 
Don't be conceited. We're not as great as we think we are. It is only in Jesus Christ that we have any standing. Can I get an amen? amen? It's only when we stand where he stands. And he says, not only in your actions, but in your interactions, but also in your reactions. Now, this is the real test. How do we react when something happens? How do we respond when something goes on in our lives? This is what he says. He says, don't repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of who? Everyone, come on, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Ouch, don't repay evil for evil, because that's our reaction, isn't it? When somebody cuts you off in the traffic, beep! Somebody jumps in a queue or insults you or does something bad to you, your instinctive thing is to pay them back, isn't it? Not mine, Michael. (laughs) Mine is to bless them, absolutely, it's to bless them. No, it isn't. How many people here have ever seen a revenge movie? Ever seen a revenge movie? Come on, put your hands up. Okay, some people are beginning to. So about 30% are admitting it, and the rest of you are liars. I lying. Because revenge is one of those big themes in Hollywood. I watched a movie there a number of years ago. Uh, it was Mel Gibson's book, called, uh, movie called Payback. Anybody ever seen Payback? No, I've never seen that, brother. My gosh. I was in prayer at the time. Yeah, yeah. So... So I watched this movie, Payback. Me and Elma were watching the coach. Well, Elma doesn't like revenge movies, but I do. It's just what, it's a man thing. So he gets something awful happens to his family. And like, you know, his wife gets killed and his, his kids are killed. And something awful happens to some gang. And they take his wife, or they take someone belonging to him captive. And they want to ransom back. And he basically works his way through the whole gang, one after another, getting them back for what they did to him. And every time he gets a bad guy back, you go, yeah. Brilliant! Just what they deserve. And he blows up another car. And he shoots another guy. Yeah! Yeah! And they're sitting there in the coach going, Praise the Lord, I love Jesus. Because you know what? We do feel that there's a sense of justice when evil is repaid with evil. But there is no such thing as injustice in the kingdom of God. Let me tell you why. Brothers and sisters, if somebody does you evil, and you think that forgiving them or repaying them good is going to do you out, can I just say this to you, that sound awful, it may even sound judgmental. Nobody gets away with anything. Amen. Nobody. Amen. Everyone will give an account. After this, Paul says, don't take revenge, but leave it to the Lord. Because it says, it is mine to avenge, says the Lord. I look after it. Give it over to me. If somebody's wronging you right now, give it over to Jesus. Let me say, Lord, will you take care of this? Give me justice. Let me continue on. If it is possible, as far as possible, as far as it is possible, live at peace with everyone. It isn't always possible. But as far as it depends on you, as far as it depends on you, live a peace with anyone. Finally, he says this, do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Don't be overcome by your evil instincts, by your evil, your evil actions, or your reactions, or your interactions, but overcome evil with good. Are you with me? Yeah. Hallelujah. Will we pray? Yeah. Are you struggling this morning? Maybe a bit of darkness in your life for some of you here. We're going to pray. Let me Give you one, uh, one more scripture before we do. Here's what it says um, in the book of Proverbs about the righteous person. And sometimes we can be going a long time and wondering, are things ever going to work out? Are things ever going to change? Is the darkness in my life ever going to dissipate? Here's what it says. It says the way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, which shines ever brighter until the full light of day. Wherever you're at, Wherever your situation is this morning, whatever darkness you're struggling with, can I say this to you, brothers and sisters? Keep 
going. Keep putting one foot in front of another. Keep following Jesus. And let him take care of the rest. Can I get an amen? amen. Last verse. Here we go. Last verse of the day. May the band will come up. Last verse of the day. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said. Jesus spoke up to the people again. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Can I get an amen? amen. Isn't that a beautiful? Whoever, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Now notice this. It says, whoever follows me, whoever lives the way that I live, whoever lives the way that I tell them, whoever follows my command, that is the person who will never walk in darkness. We can, of course, walk off the narrow way. We can, of course, walk away from the light. We can, of course, reject Jesus. But if you follow him, you will never walk in darkness. Hallelujah. Will you stand with me? We're going to pray. We're going to pray. For some of us today, it's our actions. For some of us, it's our interactions. We're struggling to love people. We're struggling to um, rejoice with people. We're struggling to mourn with people. For some of us today, it's a struggle in terms of our interactions, how we deal with people. For some of us, it's our reactions. We don't like the way we react in certain situations. But whatever it is this morning, we're going to bring it before the Lord and say, Lord, first of all, we own it that this is who we are. And we ask you, let your life and your light shine all over our lives. Can I get an amen for that? We're going to listen to your word and obey your word. But we're going to sing first. We're going to sing a song called Marching On. We're just going to do the first verse and the first chorus. Roar. Let our praises remind Let all the darkness. Let our praises remind all the darkness of how great and how mighty our God is. For the battle belongs to the Lord and no one what it's like to walk in the light you don't know what it's like to have Jesus life in your life you don't know what it's like to walk with God and maybe you've never come to God before maybe you've never come to Jesus before and said Lord come into my life or maybe you're here this morning and you've walked away from the Lord but this morning you want to say Lord I want to walk with you again with every eye closed on the stage and on the floor I'm going to say to you if you want to invite Jesus into your life or say, Lord, I want to follow you again. Will you raise your hand wherever you are in the room? Will you raise your hand? We're going to pray with you wherever you are in the room. See, three hands, three hands raised in the room. Praise God. We're going to pray with those brothers and sisters who've raised their hands. Are you okay with that? We're going to pray and I'll pray with them. So if you've raised your hand, I want you to pray along with me. And wherever you are in the room, let's pray together and support these brothers and sisters. Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ. 
I come to you today. I admit that I have sinned. And I need your forgiveness. Please put your life into my life. Be my leader. Be my friend. Be my Lord. Take up residence in my life. And lead me by the hand from today, all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, and God's people said, Amen. Amen.